I started it um, just at home and then it was just a chorus for a while and then it sort of turned into, a, you know, almost finished kind of thing that I was, te- was practising at like more corporate gigs sort of when I just had a lot of time to fill and then I took a break from it for a year because it didn't feel right and I wasn't sure in the relationship I was in which is what the whole song's kind of about questioning and then um, I finished it a year later when I was in Melbourne actually and staying with my brother and I was playing his piano and I just wrote this chord progression and it was like whoa this is about the same thing from but like from the end of the story Um, and that's what the outro is actually and then um, with COVID, so I had started recording it before COVID and then COVID hit and that took a long time for us to finally uh, kind of come back to it and finish mixing it. And it actually just got finished mixing like a month ago. <laughs> so it's been a long time. Wow. So you actually, you started writing this song kind of in the middle of that story. Do you think it helped you kind of yeah. process what was going on for you? Definitely. Well, it was definitely just me processing it. <laughs> That's often that, often... You know, before therapy and stuff later in life, I was just doing music to kind of process my emotions and and talking to friends. So, And I had just moved to Perth, so I was very isolated and I only had my partner at the time. And I was just like, whoa, I have to be like a full, I have to be a full adult. You know, I have to be self-reflective and, you know, maybe I'm not perfect. Maybe maybe this person can challenge me in some ways. Um, It was just like growing up through a relationship kind of thing. And and we definitely do hear that progression, as you said, right? We kind of go from this kind of this wandering in the middle of the song to almost quite a definitive conclusion at the end of, well, maybe I shouldn't stay, maybe I should leave. So yeah, yeah. What 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 do you want kind of the takeaway to be for people who are listening to this? Because I feel like a lot of songs these days there is that that purpose behind it almost. Well, definitely the purpose of this song is to kind of listen to your gut feeling or listen to your heart and not stay when it when it doesn't feel right, when it's too painful. But that, that area is so grey because often some people are worth fighting for. But, like, I was so young in my life, so I want other people to know that you don't have to stay. You can move on to bigger and better things. Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to talk about those those bigger and better things because, mm-hmm. um, as 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 I'm as I'm hearing, right, sources are saying this is supposed to be a very big year for you. Um, your last EP came mm-hmm. out in 2018. Can we expect a follow up this mm. year? Oh yes, yeah, that's coming out at the end of the year. So I've got another single in a couple of months, which I'm hopefully going to, um, you know, ask for a lot of radio play from around Australia, and then. Later in the year, doing an EP with uh, an East Coast tour as well, so coming back through Melbourne, hopefully. <laughs> wow. Do you feel like your kind of your sound has, because we've talked about how the content of your music has developed, but do you feel like your sound has developed as well over that last four or five years? 100%. Yeah, it's a lot more. It's actually like still branching off into different genres, which I thought maybe it would settle into more one genre, but, I, you know, for ages I was like, gosh, I... I don't know what genre I am and that always felt like a worry for me because I wasn't sure what exact audience I would have or you know what I mean like I'm not I'm not just a folk band I'm not rock I'm not um singer song or out of soft piano songs either it's kind of this like it's I'm calling it multi pop um at the moment because that lends itself to different interpretations as well um but the the lyric writing has become a lot more succinct and the storytelling has become a lot more um, maybe stronger and more opinionated and I know what I stand for. 
as a person, so that's coming through. Mm, okay, so what, what kind of stories can we expect as you've developed your storytelling? <laughs> Um, it's, it's about fighting for like believing in myself, which has kind of been what the past has been like. It's always been much more questioning, but now it's more like, okay, this is what I deserve. This is what's been happening. This is what people should be fighting for, like being treated right. That's really powerful. Mm. I mean, you've, you've said that, right, this, uh, this song stay is a song of self-reflection and survival. So do you feel like that process of self-reflection has been really important to you recently? Definitely. And I'll always be trying to do that. And I think that will always kind of come through in parts of the song. Mm. Okay. Now I want to talk a little bit about, a, a little bit more about you and about your journey, right? Because obviously this is um, Loud and Queer, which is Sin's flagship queer show. And you're out here in Perth existing as a queer woman in the music industry, very much acknowledging that, you know, while certainly you're very welcome now, perhaps that isn't always the case, is it? It's certainly not always the case. Like I, I, I often try and make sure that I'm safe in every gig I play, and that includes me putting on my own shows. And me and my manager, Andrea, are running a series called Inner Gateway, which is a sort of all art showcase. So we're creating the spaces as we go because that's what we like to go to. Um, so it's kind of like maybe, I think sometimes as queer people we get in this bubble, like we get in a little safe echo chamber bubble. <laughs> and I do try and branch out of that, but I'm also still trying to carve spaces out for queer people very much. And that's very much the case with the choir I run. I even include... Um, a lot of queer songs or queer written songs or um, in my songwriting because I want the, the children that I'm teaching to grow up with it normalised. Definitely, I've, like, I've lost a couple of students from that or I, now I'm very upfront with my parents that that's who I am and that's how I'm going to be teaching. And maybe they're not fully open to it, but they're not against it. And it's nice for them to kind of get to know a queer person as well through that. Going off on a tangent here. Um, oh, no. all good. Yeah, I'm trying to carve the way. Do you, do you feel like that's a responsibility that you have to carve the way, like as a queer artist? Or do you feel like maybe other people should be doing the work as well? Definitely other people should be doing the work. And I'm not sure if it feels like a responsibility, but it just feels really good when I do it because it feels too painful to not do it. It's a strange question, that, that responsibility thing. I've never thought about it like that. I've just thought that's something I can do for the rest of my life and believe in wholeheartedly. I guess when you're talking about going and creating those spaces with the choir and your, you know, your art showcase, how do you go about creating those spaces and what do you have to be mindful of? Well, um, sort of overall, I acknowledge that it's a safe space at the beginning of the event. I will acknowledge it beforehand when I'm starting it. I will provide... Um, haven't been at the last events, but I'll usually at my student concerts, I'm doing name tags and pronouns. And sometimes parents are like, what are pronouns? And I'm like, well, these are what they are. Please do them. It helps other people who might not feel brave enough to do them, do them if you do them. But then you face like little bits. You know, it's a scary thing for someone who is trans or someone who's experimenting with different pronouns to um, to do that if you're not really sure. So it's a funny thing of trying to make it normal 
But then for some people, often people who are queer are like questioning and it's not normal for them. So how do you throw them in the deep end? I think the only way is to make it optional and to provide the access to it and for, for cis people to do it um, so that it's normalized. That's why the whole thing with people doing it on Instagram has become a good thing. I had a friend of mine who is lovely, but he's um, this straight man in his late 30s and he was like, is it offensive if I put my pronouns in my Instagram um, description? And I was like, no, and I explained to him why and then he did it straight away. It was just a very cute moment of like not really understanding why it's there and uh, the other thing I do is I kind of research the venues ahead of time and make sure if they see if they have unisex bathrooms um, and do a bit of research, check that they're a queer safe venue. If they don't have unisex bathrooms, I ask that we can take down the signs or if I can put signs over them saying, you know, toilets with urinals, just so everyone can use whatever toilet they want without having to feel like it's gendered. And then on the lineups, I often try and get a diverse lineup as well. Wow, okay, so doing doing a lot there. Um, I want to take things <laughs> trying. Right. No, no, but that's like, I mean, it's it's really good. I mean, if you're empowering like all of these people, but I want to take it back to, I guess, maybe when you were in that position where you needed to, to be empowered right at the beginning of your career, what was it like? And I guess, what has it been like breaking into the music industry? Well, it's pretty interesting because I started in Byron Bay where I was not out at all. I didn't even know I was queer. And then um, I had a lot of family support, so it kind of it went very well. I was very supportive. I had a lot of things going on. I didn't really know much about myself at that point. <laughs> I was sort of was like scrambling, doing whatever I could. Um, and then I moved to Sydney, and I wanted to go travelling because I didn't know myself very well. And I went away. I went. I saved up for a year and went to Europe for five weeks and um, on my own, and just did some traveling and figuring out what my brain was without outside you know interference and then I came back to Sydney and I started recording releasing music and plugging and trying to get some small gigs because that's all I could get and Sydney was a really 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 big struggle for very little money and people wouldn't even come to gigs there because it's so um, saturated and so expensive like cost of living everyone was so busy especially my audience which was younger people who often have very little money and then I moved to Perth so I, I fell in love with a, a girl in Perth when I went on a little tour that I was running myself maybe in 2017 and um, I was like maybe I'll move to Melbourne or maybe I'll move to Perth and I came over to Perth for five weeks to kind of test the waters and I was playing in my girlfriend's band as well as doing open mics by myself and the response was amazing um, I think there weren't a lot of like powerhouse piano players doing a solo thing that wasn't quite ballady. Mine was always very rhythmic. And I had good responses from the venues um, asking me to come back. And I played Night Up Music Festival um, with Tashi, a band from over here. And that was great. And I kind of felt like in Perth, it's very, very friendly. Like everyone has to be nice to everyone here because it's small enough that word gets out. Word gets out. And maybe compared to Melbourne, it's so saturated there, you could really restart over and over in Melbourne and meet people you don't know every single gig. But in Perth, you very quickly get to know the whole scene, um, which has its bad bits and its good bits. But for me, it's been really helpful to kind of meet people and you know be able to get, get a gig at their venue in the next month or something because 
it's just real people on their computers organizing stuff here and it's not as saturated. So Perth has been really good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I want to I wanna come back to something you mentioned there where you said you kind of, you didn't really know who you were at the beginning of your music career and kind of that idea that you've brought up in your song of self-reflection and survival. Do you feel like your music has helped you discover who you are? Well, definitely. Through music, I have always questioned my thoughts and, and swirled around in my brain and um, you know, you go to the darkest depths sometimes when you're like in full child mode and, and um, literally crying and singing at the piano because it's the most comfy space in my in on my own. So you kind of realise how you know diverse your brain is. But on a very little kind of physical side of things, I was touring with my brother at the time. We were in a duo, and the first girl I ever had a crush on <laughs> was someone who played in another duo. Um, at a festival up in Cairns and um, I remember just looking at her and I didn't even know I was attracted to her but I was obsessed with her and I, we got a drink with her the next night and then we got breakfast with her and I was so nervous for some reason instead of just thinking this is my friend I was making a friend like every other girl I've ever met before that point and I for some reason wanted my brother to come along because I was nervous and then I texted her non-stop for like a couple of days and I realized I was flirting and I was like, oh my gosh, can I be flirting? I have a boyfriend. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, just that inner homophobia absolutely being battled. (laughs) And it was not really like I had maybe queer people at, you know, like far away from me in the network, but no one really instantly in my life. So it was not normalized. And, um, you know, living in a country town like Lismore, um, up in Byron Bay, that's where I, was, where I grew up. You don't really break out of those circles very easily, um, as opposed to in the city, you kind of see queer events on. Um, but yeah, so that was the beginning of me questioning um, my like sexual preferences. And then um, when I started to tour over east, I met another girl that I like fell in love with who's the person that I then played in a band with. And so it's been like definitely a, a literal link between music, brand, making me branch out into circles I've never been in before because you're playing at venues and because you have to meet people all the time and it being a huge opportunity for me to explore that. Wow, thank you for sharing that story. I guess what okay. would... What would what would be your advice to I guess people who might be listening right now who are, might be at a different stage of their journey who are queer? Uh, what would be your advice to kind of those people who might be questioning their identity? Hmm. I think find find people who might be a little bit further along than you, but also not taking a hundred percent what they say as well. I think when I was younger, I I was like, oh my God, maybe I'm only gay and I I was bi or I'm pansexual, but I didn't know that I could really be those things even though you hear about bisexuality. I just was like talking to queer people, I was talking to straight people, but I wasn't talking to people. Um, I just sort of took everything that they said as, you know, wholeheartedly instead of just allowing my time to take it, go, okay, maybe that will sit with me, maybe it won't. I'm not going to just 
chuck myself in another box, which I think we do when we're queer and we're young and we're like not sure. It's like, okay, I must be a, a gay, I must be lesbian, you know, but it was like, then I was interested in people with all different genders and I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm having to do this whole new identity thing. It's like, just let it be fluid until you're comfortable and allow it to change if you want it to change and just focus on not judging yourself along the way. There we go. Some some wisdom there. Words of wisdom <laughs> indeed. Uh, look, I think I'll... it's too painful if we're, if we're taking all the pain from external things as well. Like It is painful when you're different and you're alienated, but you don't need to also add the, the pain from us trying to hurt ourselves along the way as well. I'm absolutely loving the chat that we've had today, talking about identity, talking <laughs> about your music, um, talking about how to make those kind of those safe, accessible queer spaces. I guess right now, if you were kind of some real kind of decision maker in the industry, what's one change that you would make to make it more accessible and more queer safe? I've heard lots of things about how um, venues have to have gendered bathrooms for some reason. Um, I would love to have, have power over that and just make all toilets in the whole country unisex. Um, I would love for... Oh, that's a really... I never thought about what I could actually do if I had that much power. You try and always focus on what you can do is what you have. Hmm. I'll have to maybe get back to you on that because I think I would like more more gender diversity on lineups as well. My brain's just going to some sort of workshop or some sort of place where people could go at not necessarily queer events, but say big festivals like Falls or Splendor where people can go learn about what queerness is, straight people as well, cis people as well, just so that maybe queer people don't have to be answering those questions for all of their straight friends. <laughs> you know, something where the festival offers it and tries to normalise it as well. I mean, I feel like you never think about the power until you have it and then, like, power corrupts, so maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> well, look, I'll, I'll finish yeah. with this question. So I was reading, you wrote a little bit about your song and I was kind of reading what you've written about the song while I was listening to it, it helped me kind of really process it and understand it. And I want to read a little bit of what you've written here. Um, It is underscored by music that is both uplifting and on subsequent listens creates a sense of foreboding that gives the song the urgency of a John Williams film score. Oh, well, uh... Oh, my gosh. I think my beautiful manager wrote that uh, for me, so... Oh, gosh. That's... I think she wrote that because my music's often very um, cinematic and she always says to me that you could hear it, you know, in the background of, um, you know, films because they're so, uh, it's so dramatic at times. But I'm not sure what my favourite one is. I think recently, so recently my partner has been getting obsessed with um, Star Wars and I have been loving loving the music and I never thought I'd be a Star Wars fan until I just sat down and watched them all and so I'm going to say Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars, you're learning to love it, discovering it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm watching Mandalorian at the moment and, you know, how could you not love Baby Grogu? 